Welcome into the PFN Bengals podcast. I am Dallas Robinson. He is Jay Morrison. Jay, the Bengals are unfortunately out of the playoff picture after their loss to the Chiefs on Sunday, 25 to 17. We will get into all the details of their their loss to Kansas City on Sunday. But Jay, the main takeaway is that for all intents and purposes, the Cincinnati Bengals 2023 season is over. They still have one more game left against the Browns, which we will discuss who they're playing in, in the regular season finale. But in terms of playoff permutations and playoff scenarios and all of that, unfortunately, that has come to an end after their loss on Sunday. Um, Jay, what are your kind of main takeaways after that loss? I mean, it's obviously disappointing. I mean, we went into this weekend thinking the Bengals had a chance to sneak into a wildcard berth, and now they're totally eliminated with nothing to play for in the final week. What are just kind of your initial takeaways after that kind of really disappointing and, and kind of disheartening loss in Kansas City? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard to kind of encapsulate everything. It was, you know, we talked about on the podcast last week, like you can't pick them. I think what I said, 24-17, you said 23-17. We were right in the range of 25-17. But it was just one of those things where it started so good. They started with such a great plan and 24 rushes in the first half, the most they've ever had in the first half under Zach by a lot. I mean, 21 was the previous high, and even that was kind of an outlier. And I, I just thought it was it was such a good plan. They executed it so well early. And, you know, the Chiefs did what good teams do. They adjust. And it's just it felt like and I know we're going to get into it more, but it, it felt like if they converted that fourth and one and scored a touchdown there, the game might have been over. 24 to 13. The Chiefs are kind of scuffling. They didn't. They never scored another touchdown. Now they they weren't as urgent as they would have been if they had been down 11. But it was such a such a just a deflating series there and such a key moment and such a just a lost opportunity because you know if they do pull that out they're they still need help this weekend but they're playing a brown team that's going to rest all their starters i don't know i just i feel like you know that if they had figured out a way to pull that one out that they the, the playoffs would still be a possibility maybe even a likelihood because of the way that you would expect this one to win it just it felt so different than the Pittsburgh game where you, you get behind 21 nothing and you're like, ah, it's just yeah. a lost game. And it's, But they, I mean, they had it. They had the Chiefs down by 10. I posted the stat where they, what they won 18 straight games when they built a 10 point lead. Um, it, it's just, it's, it, it's one that got away. It's one that I think will haunt them through the off season. And, and maybe it's one they need. Maybe it's, it's, it, you know, if they figure out a way to win that game. Maybe the urgency isn't there to fix some of the things that need to be fixed. And maybe this was kind of hammering home that, that there are some changes that need to be made um, and, and some, some decisions that are going to have to be made in this off season. Yeah. I think for me, this game fell, it was just another continuation in what's been a season of kind of what ifs, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, what, what if Joe Burrow hadn't gotten hurt in training camp? What yeah. if Joe Burrow didn't get hurt against the Ravens? What if the Bengals had pulled off a win over the Steelers last week and they they wouldn't have had to necessarily have this Chiefs game? Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I feel like this this game was kind of the culmination of all that, of what this season both could have been and in many ways should have been. I think it should have been a season that the Bengals were gunning for the number one seed. It should have been a season that the Bengals were gunning for a Super Bowl title after getting so close in these past few seasons. And it's been it's been set too many obstacles, I think, to overcome it is the at the end of the day is the issue. And, and we saw that on Sunday and it was kind of a microcosm. I, like you said, the offense did really well. They scored on their first three first three drives against a defense that 
you know, this Chiefs team has been carried by their defense. I think we saw that on Sunday. The, the Chiefs offense, yes, they had a ton of big plays against the Bengals. They averaged, uh, what, seven yards per play, I think. But they had their struggles, too, on, mm-hmm. on all the offensive side of the ball. I think the real problem, like you said, was that Steve Spagnolo, the Chiefs defensive coordinator, just made a lot of good adjustments in the second half. I mean, the Bengals did not score again. They didn't get over midfield again until the very end of the game when, when they were desperately trying to, to score. Um it's, I think you have to credit the Chiefs' defense. I think even if you think Jake Browning wasn't as consistent as he should have been in the second half, and, and we'll get into that fourth and one sequence, obviously, that was critical, I think you also have to give some credit to this Chiefs' defense, and especially their cornerbacks. I mean, you, you watch the All-22. Jake Browning had nowhere to go in the second half. Receivers were covered by and large. Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, these guys were not open. I think you have to give a lot of credit to LeJarrius Sneed and Trent McDuffie and – you know, corners that Jamar Chase didn't want to give credit to after the game, obviously. But I think you have to give credit and say that those guys those guys pre- played pretty well. Um, whether that means anything going forward, I, I think, you know, Jake Browning, I think, has shown that he can be a long-term backup for this team. Whether that's kind of his ceiling or not, I think we could probably debate. But like you said, a lot of questions heading into this offseason. I think this game against the Chiefs kind of only exposed those going forward. Yeah, and and he mentioned it. I mean, T. Higgins wasn't a hundred percent, so that was a, a an issue where he. I mean, they did do the double doubles some when he was in the game, but you know when that happens, like where's Tyler Boyd? What I mean, yeah. you would expect him to be a bigger part of that. And Tanner Hudson had a big third down catch, but where was where was he in that game? I mean, if if they're taking away your top two weapons, you got to find other guys to go to, and that just didn't really happen that much. And you know, there's like I said, it's just it's it's one of those things where it's it's one that got away. I know Bengal fans are very disappointed and and probably disinterested in what's going to happen Sunday. But you know, the, the Bengals are adamant that, that that they're trying to win this, and I do believe that that avoiding zero and six in the division is a very motivating factor. I don't know how much about the winning record overall, nine yeah. and eight versus eight and nine, but. That does stick in their crawl, that 0-5 in the division. They're sick of getting asked about it, um, and it may not mean much to fans when they say they beat a bunch of Browns right. backups, but it's going to mean something to the Bengals to to be able to say that you know they, they got one. They got a division win, however it may happen. Let's talk about that fourth and one sequence. I, I think mm-hmm. we have to. I mean, it was such a critical moment in the game. The Bengals made a defensive stop right after after halftime, drive down the field. And they get to this fourth and one sequence where they decide to to run the ball again against a Chiefs defensive line that was obviously ready for it. They had they had five, six guys right on the line. They were crowding the defensive line. I think it's safe to say Jake Browning probably should have checked out of that play call yeah. or that or that should have called a timeout or something else should have happened than what happened, which was a run straight up the gut, which got stopped for a loss and, and the Bengals never came close to scoring again. Um I thought the entire series was interesting, really. I mean, on that first and 10 sequence, they they ran the ball on four straight plays. First down, second down, third down, fourth down, including a third down run to Travion Williams, which it was a little shocking. I mean, I, I think it was pretty surprising. Um, I don't have a problem, obviously, with going for it in fourth and one there. I mean, every single model, ESPN analytics model, Ben Baldwin's model, every single statistical model said the Bengals should have gone there. Obviously, they could they could deal a final blow to the Chiefs. They could put the game away. The, the play call was a problem. I, I think you've got to do something different in that situation, especially when you see the Chiefs crowd the middle and say, hey, we're, you're, you're not coming up the middle. If we're going to stop one thing, we're going to sell out for a run right up the gut. 
you have to you have to choose another play in that in that situation. Maybe that's Jake Browning being inexperienced. Maybe that's on the coaching staff for not prepping him properly or, or giving a check in that situation. That was such a critical play. I think that it's going to be hard for fans or anybody watching this game to come away from this loss and not point to that moment. It's kind of the critical critical moment in this game. Yeah, I mean, they talk all the time about blocking the outside noise, but but they do hear it, and and I wonder how much of that was, you know, they they get to the third and short, and they've already made the decision. I, I know sure. for a fact they've already made the decision. Sure. They're going forward on fourth down. They took so much heat about throwing it on fourth and one at Pittsburgh. Was was that a factor at all? Where they're like, hey, we we got to do what we. I don't. You can't say what we do best because they're terrible. Right. Right. <laughs> right. But, but we got to do, do what best. makes yeah. the most sense and slam yes. it in there. I don't. I don't. I loved. And people may think I really, really like the third down call. Hand it to Travion Williams because you know you're going for it on fourth down anyhow. It's it's when he comes in the game, everybody knows it's a pass. He's he's in there as a screen guy, as a as a pass protector if need be. I just. It was a total trend breaker, and as soon as they handed it to him, I'm even saying in my mind, "Good call." Mm. He didn't get it, um, but it wasn't minus three. I mean, he, he slammed it up in there. He put it in fourth and one. I would have liked to have seen on fourth and one to, to roll Browning out. He was yeah. so good with his feet in that game, and you know, roll him out, give him the the run or the pass option on something like that, whether it's in shotgun or from under center, mm-hmm. um, a bootleg or a design rollout, whatever you want to do, but but give him options there. Um, it's, it, it, I mean, it's just a season long problem. They, they, and I, and I had it in my preview where the, the Bengals are one of the worst teams on third and short. Now this was fourth and short, but on third and short rushing, they are one of the worst teams in the league. The chiefs were one of the best defenses in the league. And it, it, you, it showed why, I mean, he should have checked out of that play. Willie Gay was, I mean, it was a, a great call by the chiefs. You got to give them credit. But it's just it's so deflating to number one not score there to lose three. You know we talked before the show. I I, I really believe if they if they score a touchdown there, that they win that game. You know they go up eleven and it's yeah. just it's a totally different situation. On the flip side, you're right. Going for it was absolutely the right decision. You've got them backed up at the nine. They've they've outside of that opening drive, they really haven't done much at all. You're counting on your defense to be able to to defend 91 yards of green grass and they give up an explosive play. And then the very next series, the, the Kansas city punt returner catches the ball in the end zone. They start from the nine again, again, a 66 yard bar, 67 yard bomb this time. Yeah. It's just, I, I, everything worked out the, the way it should have. I, I was a little surprised by four straight runs. I don't know that we've seen that at, on any yeah. series of downs in Zach Taylor's era, but, but I do agree with going forward. I like the third down call. They should have got out of the fourth down call. The, the one thing I, I, I kind of take exception with, and, and we mentioned it, you know, 24 rushes in the first half. That's a record under Zach Taylor. Mm-hmm. A- after that series, they, they're still winning 17-13. They only ran it one more time the rest of the game. It was like they, they lost three on fourth down and said, okay, just forget it. We can't run the That's ball. Yeah. And they went totally away from it. Even after, you know, even after Kansas City converts that fourth down stop into a field goal, you're still winning 17 to six on the road in a gotta have it game. And they just went totally away from the run game. That's that's kind of where I have the 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 issue with the with the play calling there. I, I thought they should have stuck with it a little longer. You know, even on, on that series, it, it, it's the pass interference that gets them down first and ten at the 
at the 15. Mixon runs it on first down. It's a five-yard gain. I mean, they weren't great running the ball, but you got to be pretty good to run it 24 <laughs> times in the first half. I, I just was really surprised that they just completely went away from the run after that fourth down stop. I was too, and I, I think especially when you have a backup quarterback in the game against yeah. a really good defense. I mean, Jake Browning has had his moments. Don't get me wrong, but he's not a consistent down by down option like Joe Burrow. If if you're able to run the ball, and I'm not going to say run the ball successfully because they ever they average three point two yards per carry, but I, I think a ball control type of strategy against Patrick Mahomes, especially when you have a leader in a close game, is not the worst strategy. So I, I agree. I would have liked to see them commit more to the run and, and get Chase Brown more involved, obviously, and get some more outside plays running and try and try and create those explosives. Um, let's talk about the defense. You know, it was it was not a good effort overall. They 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 bend they bent they broke they did all the things that, that they've done all season. Six plays of twenty plus yards. Explosive plays have been an issue for this defense all season long. You know, I it's. It's it's like opposing offenses. It's it's like picking at a scab. They know, they know that these holes and big swaths of field are going to be available in this Bengals defense, especially in the secondary. And teams just keep picking at it, and eventually the dam breaks, and they they find these 50, 60 yard plays. It's not surprising that Patrick Mahomes was able to do that against this Bengals defense. It's not surprising that Isaiah Pacheco is breaking off thirty five yard runs and, and finishes with over a hundred yards. If you've watched this defense all season long, I don't think that's a surprise. I think the loss of DJ Reader, you saw that again, allowing yeah. over six yards per carry. It, it's issues we've seen all season long. I, I don't think it's a huge surprise. And I don't know what we're supposed to take away from, from a game like this other than say that this young Bengals defense needs to grow up next season. And whether that also means adding more talent via the draft, via free agency, we can get in, into all that. But I think you've just seen these growing pains, especially in the secondary, where you've got guys who are rookies, who are de facto rookies like Dax Hill, who are younger players who just don't have the experience. You, you continually see these coverage busts against Patrick Mahomes, but you see him against Mason Rudolph. It doesn't matter the, the competition, right? Yeah. I think that's got to be something that this offseason is number one on the agenda is how do we stop these explosive plays? In the NFL right now, explosive plays are everything. That is how you generate offense. And if this defense can't stop them, they're not going to have a chance next season. Joe Burrow, return or not, a defense that gives up this many big plays just can't compete in today's NFL. Yeah, I mean, we've seen essentially a full season with with Jordan Battle and maybe you know a half a season with Jordan Battle and, and – and Dax Hill is the starting safeties, and and, and I think that's gonna that that's something that you know they've talked about the communication issue being in. I mean, Cam Taylor Britt was open about it that, that the communication was a problem on the, yeah. the long ball that he gave up. He thought he had help over the top, he didn't, and yeah. he missed the, the 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 bump, and it was a wide open throw from Mahomes. There's just so many little things like that breaking down, and I I'm interested to see because. Two years ago, they go the distance in the longest season in NFL history. Then last year, they go all the way to the AFC Championship game. So because of that, and because of it's kind of a philosophy thing, but Zach has gone really light in the in the OTAs. Sure. And do we see more 11 on 11? Do we see more real football in the offseason this year to kind of to help that young secondary get a jump start on 2024 and, and, and kind of 
you know, it's different than games, obviously, but to, to not just be doing position drills and, and, and playing on air and that kind of stuff. I, I really am interested to see if, if Zach miss, mixes up the schedule yeah. a little bit. Um, I'm interested to see what they do with Dax Hill. I don't know that, it, yeah, it was his first year as a starter. Maybe they're not ready to pull the trigger out. He still might be better as a cornerback, but, yeah, you know, if it, what do you do with them? If that, I mean, you, you've got DJ Turner, you've got Cam Taylor, but you've got Mike Hilton. So is there a spot for Dax Hill? I mean, I, I just don't know what Lou's going to do there. I, I would imagine they, they, they start the year. That's their plan. Dax Hill, Jordan Battle. Um, it was interesting that, that DJ Turner only played seven snaps in that game. Uh, his, his previous low was 21. And since week four, his previous low was 39. And I don't know if that was a punitive thing. We're going to talk to yeah. Lou on Wednesday, but you know, Lou was really hard on him that the, the, the opening touchdown to George Pickens, uh, he was more critical of, of DJ for not being in position to tackle the catch than he was on Dax Hill for taking the bad angle on that one. Um, I, I don't know if they just felt they needed a more experienced guy in, in a woozy yeah. to go against Mahomes. There was, there was, a, I, it was just really curious. It could be the rookie wall. I mean, that's a real thing. And Dax Hill was played or not Dax Hill. DJ Turner's played a lot of football. Sure. Uh, maybe all of it went into it, but it, it was, they're not giving up on DJ Turner. He he's been fantastic at times this year, but he is a rookie. He, he maybe wore down a little bit, um, but that's, that is where it starts is, is getting that group more cohesive getting the chemistry built up camaraderies there. They all get along, but that sure. communication is what really has to pick up and understanding what everybody else is doing. And I just, I think we need to see more real football in the off season. You don't have to beat them down, but it can't be the the kind of the country club aspect yeah. that it's been the last two off seasons. Yeah. DJ Turner was impressive in the preseason and training camp in the early part of the season. So I, I think saying he hit the rookie wall, I, that's a really good point. I think it's, you know, it's so late in the season now. This is a guy who's used to the college schedule. He's played a lot of football and he's yeah. put a lot of good stuff on tape. And I think it's worth giving him a little bit of a break here at the end of the season. I mean, even if he doesn't finish up the season, how we might have hoped, I, I think they're, the Bengals are clearly counting on him as a starter next year. I mean, I don't think anyone's assuming Cheetah will come back. I mean, maybe, maybe on a one year prove it deal if no one is interested in him in the market, but I, I would assume they'll have other suitors and DJ Turner will be the starter here. Um, yeah, I, I don't know about Dax. I mean, yeah, he can play corner. He could probably play slot corner, but I don't think they're going to cut Mike Hilton. I mean, yeah, I, I think I, I think he'll be here next year. So I, it's a very good question about how they kind of sort things out. And, and we don't know. Maybe they'll add another piece. The Bengals are never afraid to draft first-round defensive backs. Mm-hmm. We know that. I mean, maybe they'll sign someone in free agency. We there, there are a lot of options that we'll have a lot of time to get into. Uh, one other thing on the defense I want to mention, the fourth and one play where Patrick Mahomes evaded Jermaine Pratt and basically ran over Sam Hubbard to convert the first down. I still can't believe that happened. <laughs> he was right. <laughs> they had him right in the grasp. Um, that, I think that was a, such a, a defining play of the game, I think. And again, we've used the word microcosm a couple times, but to have to have it right in your grasp, to have a moment or a player or anything right in your grasp, and to have it slip away has kind of been the theme of this Bengals season, I think, throughout 2023. Um, a disappointing game overall, obviously, that kind of ends the Bengals season. Um, we'll, we'll get into kind of what they're facing here going forward, but I do want to mention the PFN merchandise store. You know, the holiday season may be coming to a close, but the great gear at PFN merch is still going strong. Go to pfnmerch.com, get your exclusive merchandise to rep your team fandom, support the brand, or make fun of your fantasy football league mates. Pro football 
network merchandise, pfnmerch.com today. I still got some gifts to buy, Jay. I don't know about you. I'm I'm always late. I know we're a week past Christmas. I shouldn't admit that, but I've still got some gifts to buy. For Think me, about, I don't have one from you well, yet. We'll see. I've you got some for, for me either. So. I've got some forgiving people in my life, so <laughs> ho- hopefully you'll be on that list too. But go to PFN Merch Day, get all your all your gear you need. Jay, let's turn the picture, uh, turn the page to the final game of the season, Week 18, Bengals versus Browns. Clearly, the stakes are very, very low in this one for mm-hmm. everybody involved. The Browns have already clinched the number five seed. They they can't move up. They can't move down. The Bengals doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what they do this week. I I don't even know where to begin on this mm-hmm. game. I think I think the most interesting thing is kind of who's going to be playing in this game. We we don't know exactly who the Browns are going to be playing. We don't know exactly who the Bengals are going to be playing either. Um, there are guys with injuries who, who I would assume would sit. There, there are some guys who are going for statistical achievements that I assume will want to play and get those achievements. Um, but, I, but I think this game, at the, 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 the kind of top priority will be what young players get exposure in this game. Who, who's going to pick up a few extra snaps? Who can maybe end their season on a, on a high point and kind of take that positivity into the offseason? So that's what I'll be looking for in this game. Jay, I don't know what else there is kind of to watch, you know, I think there's just not a lot on the line for either team. So I think it's, it's almost like an exhibition game at this point. Yeah. So when it comes to the young guys, they've, they've all the draft picks have played this year. Yeah. And, and you know, Ivy was more special teams. Yoshi Voss was more special teams. Yoshi Voss will get some more. Cause I, I'd be stunned if T Higgins plays. I mean, he, he came back and kind of gutted it out. And, and I do wonder about that too, where, you know, they ran the ball so much in the first half because they didn't have T after that first series. And then when he came back, he wasn't 100 percent, but he's back in the game. I mean, maybe that's why they went away from the run. But I, I yeah, I don't think we're going to see T. I, I think we will see Jamar. You mentioned he said probably after the game. Now, that's the adrenaline and the emotions. And yeah. but he he's big on on stats. And he's four, what, four or five away from. Yeah, he's got 90, He's got 96 right now. Yeah, so he's got four more for 100. I think that means something to him. I think atoning. For his elves comment in week one is going to mean something to him. He's going to want to go out. He's put him in that bucket of guys that that don't want to be zero and six in the division. So I, I think there's a good chance Jamar plays. Um, but the other guys, it's like we've seen them. I, I don't, I don't know how much more that. I mean, may I don't think Miles Murphy is going to get more run because Sam Hubbard said this week he's playing. He's absolutely playing. He's he's going to be there for his guys. He told him that that there's no way he's sitting out or playing less Trey Hendrickson is tied for the sack lead. That means something to him, even though I tried to talk to him Monday and he's like, why are you hovering? And I said, I just <laughs> wanted to see if maybe you had a minute to talk. And he said, 0% chance. And I, and he's like, what would you want to talk about? I was like, well, sacks. And he kind of rolled his eyes and he's like, please. Um, he's like, there, there's no mid season awards. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you, you've set the team record. I mean, so it yeah. was just kind of, it was a, it was a, a little fun conversation, but it was nothing on the record. And then he, at one point he said, okay, good talk and walked away. So, <laughs> and that's just, Solid. it's kind of the way he's been, <laughs> but I mean, he's, yes, he's going to be motivated to go out there. He wants to finish ahead of TJ Watt. Um, and he, he is, I mean, that would, that's a, that's a heck of a yeah. Yeah, feather in the captain to lead the league in sacks. So we're going to see Trey Hendrickson. I don't know how much room that leaves to see more miles Murphy. Um, you know, 
who knows with DJ Turner, we've already seen enough of him. It's not like that, that you need to see more yeah. same with Jordan battle. Brad Robbins is a punter. What? So, you know, maybe some more snaps for Yoshi Vasquez Higgins is out, but what about Charlie Jones? I mean, Charlie Jones has not played more than seven offensive snaps in a single game. I mean, yeah. I don't think, I don't know if Tyler Boyd, I don't think Tyler Boyd's coming back next year. I, I would assume. I mean, I think, do the Bengals need to figure out who's playing the slot next year? I mean, Charlie Jones is obviously a candidate for that job, I would think. Leading he, candidate, I would think, yes. He just hasn't gotten the offensive time this year. I mean, I would think that might be a guy you could see a few more snaps from, but I'm sure Tyler Boyd wants to play too. Yeah, same thing. He's going into free agency. He's going to want yeah. as many snaps as he can or as many catches, stats as he can. Um, but yeah, so maybe a little more from Charlie Jones on offense. But even though the backups, it's like, okay, you want to see more from him, but how valuable is, is that assessment what they put on tape against a bunch of backups? It's, I mean, it's, I, I think you're going to see, unless a guy's dealing with an injury like Higgins, um, that you're, you're going to see their, their regular guys that the main yeah. guys be out there. And, you know, I, I don't, I was a little concerned about Chase Brown because it looked like he, he made a diving attempt on a punt return mm-hmm. that there was this weird, uh, chain reaction when when Higgins went out because then they took Yoshi Voss off of Gunner because he had to play more snaps on offense and they put Chase Brown at Gunner. It's not something we've seen him do. Mm-hmm. And then he makes a diving attempt. He was very slow to get up and he didn't play much, if any, after that. I can't remember exactly when that happened in the game. Um, but I think he's okay because they yeah. when they they had a team meeting on Monday and on, on the board it, it said uh, one fifteen media slash treatment and they came out of the team meeting chase brown went to his locker um said a couple things and then he didn't go in for any kind of treatment so i I do think he's going to be okay it would be great to see more of him they don't see they don't need to see any more joe mixon mixon he wants he wants a thousand yards he needs 72 i think to get to that he's he's 70 72 or 78 to get to a thousand and i I think that would mean a lot to him but i do think this is probably going to be the final joe mixon game i can't imagine they would bring him back at, at what it would cost to bring him back. I don't know that he's going to let his pride take a, a hit again and take a pay cut a second year in a row. They drafted Chase Brown to replace him. He's been impressive. Um, so I don't think they're just going to bench Mixon, and I do think Mixon's going to want to get that 1,000. Yeah. Um, but going against the backup Browns defense, maybe he gets it, and then you see a lot of Chase Brown after that. I, I don't know. But it is it's going to be interesting to see the way they play it. But for the most part, I think the Bengals are – are going to play this straight up and and have most of their guys out there because, like I said, it means something to to not go winless in the division, and it means something for a lot of these guys to to put up the stats. And I believe I'll have to look because it's only been a few years, but they they would be the first team in NFL history to have an offensive line start all seventeen games in a season. Mm. Now I know as recently as week fifteen, Buffalo and Denver had done they were they had not had a a different starter all year. I can't, I don't know if they did it last week or not, but um, I don't know if that means anything to them, but it's pretty impressive with the, with the way this league is injuries are um, especially on the offensive line for that group to go all the way through the season with the same starting five would be really impressive. Yeah, it definitely would. I mean, it, not necessarily saying they played well all season, but, to, but to yeah. stay, to, to stay together all season it is very impressive. Um yeah, I think I would like to see more Trace Brown. Absolutely. I, Joe Mixon needs 77 yards 77. To, to get to 1,000. He's made it 77 yards twice this year, once against the Niners, once against the Colts. 
Hmm. So maybe he could get there, maybe not. But yeah, I don't see Joe Mixon here next year. I can't see any way he would take a pay cut again. Hmm. And the thing is, there are so many free agent running backs too available next offseason that it's kind of a perfect situation for the Bengals to say, hey, we've got Chase Brown here. We'll bring in a, a cheap guy on a one-year deal and kind of move forward with that. So I think we're probably staring at Joe Mixon's final game as a Cincinnati Bengal. Um, so that's something to watch this week. Yeah, I, I don't know what other defensive players I think would get more time besides the ones that we talked about. And, you know, I'd like to see Joseph Osai make some plays if he got some time. It seems like he's kind of been the invisible man this year. I'd like to see Cam Sample or Miles Murphy make some plays. But like you said, the, the veterans ahead of them have no reason to sit. They want statistical achievements. And playing in games is the resume for NFL players, right? They don't, they, this mm-hmm. is their, their, their tape is their resume. They want to be out there. They want to be putting up good performances for whoever's watching, whether it's the Bengals or their next team. So I, I think you're right. I think for the most part, except a guy like T. Higgins, who's, who's managing an injury, I think it'll probably be a, a pretty pretty usual set of, of players for the Bengals um, on, on Sunday. If we look at the playoff picture, obviously the Bengals are, are not part of that anymore, but we could, we could, we've already got two AFC North teams, the Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns guaranteed to make the playoffs. Steelers could get in, um, as most Bengals fans probably are aware of, they, they could get in this week. Um, they will need a win plus a Buffalo or a Jacksonville loss to get in. Um, so we could have three teams from the AFC North in the playoffs, and we could also have the Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns playing each other as early as the second round. I mean, Baltimore is the number one seed, so they'll play the highest seed remaining in the second round. That could very well be Cleveland, who who will play their number five seed, so they will play the winner of the AFC South, um, whether that's Jacksonville, Houston, Indianapolis. Personally, I would like Cleveland no matter who the opponent is in that game. I, I think it's probably safe to say. So we could see an AFC South or AFC North kind of rematch as early as round two. Uh, Jay, I mean, what do you, what do you think? It's It's – it's kind of interesting to see. It's like I think there's some schadenfreude probably from Bengals fans who mm-hmm. don't want to see these teams play well, but there might be some some divisional pride, I think, in watching watching these teams go out and, and try and win a Super Bowl for the division. I don't know. I, where, where, where do you think fans stand on that going into this final week? Oh, yeah. Well, there it's going to be it's going to be a hard playoffs to watch for Bengal fans, number one, because <laughs> their team's not in it. And number two, you're, you're right. I mean, I, I think we could see three AFC North teams in there. And I think any of them could go on a run. I mean, Baltimore obviously is playing better than anybody in the league. But, you know, Cleveland, let's let's say Indy wins that division. They've already won in Indianapolis mm-hmm. this year. Now, some kind of iffy, iffy calls at the end of that game. But the fact is they went to Indianapolis and they won. Um, they went to Baltimore and they won. Can you imagine a Cleveland-Baltimore AFC championship game with, a, you know, the history between those two franchises? and Joe Flacco. Right? Yeah, Flacco going yeah. back to – and. I, I mean, that number that that game will not draw a big number in Cincinnati because no Bengal fans are going to want to watch that no. game. Um, but I, I, I'm really I, I think it's going to be a fun playoffs to watch because it is wide open. As good as Baltimore has been, I, I don't think they're unbeatable. And, and especially because we've, we've seen Cleveland do it to them in Baltimore. Yep. Um, I, I don't know. I 
I just I still think Pittsburgh is sneaky good. I think they found something with Mason Rudolph and they were on the ropes and they do what they do under Mike Tomlin. And that win in Seattle was really impressive. I didn't give them I thought, you know, okay, that was their their one moment that caught the Bengals a little flat footed, had a nice win. They're going to go out to to Seattle and reality is going to hit. And that was they jumped on them early and controlled that game. Uh, I don't think they ever trailed in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that was just really impressive. And, you know, we'll see. Maybe Baltimore's backups beat Pittsburgh. But Pittsburgh's favorite in that game. Um, I fully expect them to win that game with so much on the line. And that's a dangerous team. You get them in the playoffs, I guess they'd be, what, the seven seed? So you're, you're yeah. they could about, be They could be the six, but most likely seven. Yeah, so you're talking about them playing the two, which – who would that be at this point? Kansas City or my? I guess Miami. It, be, it would be probably Miami. Miami in that situation. Yeah, but um, it it's just I don't know. I just think that it's going to be a rough, rough AFC playoffs for Bengal fans because I think I think you're going to see the AFC North do really well. Yeah, I mean, is a is a neutral observer. I really hope the Bills make the playoffs over the Steelers just just for entertainment value, <laughs> right? Like I, I agree. Mason Rudolph has looked really good over these past couple of weeks. I mean, to the point where I, I don't know if Kenny Pickett could get his job back. I, I honestly don't know. I, I saw a report that he refused to be the backup this past week. I, I don't know if that's accurate. I don't know how accurate that is, but I did see that. Um, I'd rather see the Bills in the playoffs. I mean, I think the Bills could win the Super Bowl. I think the Bills are one of the five best teams in the NFL. I, I don't think the Pitts, I don't think the Steelers could win the Super Bowl. I, I just don't I don't see how they could win enough games with that offense to run through this AFC kind of field and win the Super Bowl. I do yeah. not see that. Baltimore and Cleveland, I think they could. And I th- I think it's so impressive that we're talking about the Browns like this on their fourth starting quarterback of the year with all the issues that they've gone through. There are a lot of good contenders this year for coach of the year, but Kevin Stefanski has got to be right at the top of the list, not just for what he's done with the offense, but to have the kind of the vision to hire Jim Schwartz and let him do what he's done with that defense. I mean, that's leadership. That's head coaching. Hiring should be part of the the criteria, I think, for coach of the year award. And he's done a better job of bringing in voices who can compliment him and compliment this offense than any coach in the league, I would say. Um, so I, I've been very impressed by Cleveland all year and obviously Baltimore. Um, it's going to be frustrating, like you said, for Bengals fans to watch and, and maybe, as we've said before, say, what if this could have been us and and could the Bengals have made a run? Maybe maybe we'll take a little, little pleasure out of watching Baltimore or Cleveland make a run too. I don't know. Um, it, it'll be interesting to watch for sure. Let's get into our bets and predictions for the week, Jay. Um I think we both did okay last week and, and maybe we can finish the year strong going forward. I don't know. Do you want to recap how we did last week? Oh, it could have been so much better. Um, <laughs> so you did great. You won both of your bets. You, you went Bengals chiefs under 45 and a half and, and got that um, with, with it coming in at 42. Uh, and then you had the Broncos minus five and a half against the chargers and, and they won by seven. So you hit both of yours. Let's go. Um, uh, parlay J came through. I, there you I, I, go. Did, I did the two team parlay. I took Lions plus six at Dallas, uh, and then Ravens minus three against the Dolphins. So I won that. I had Bengals plus seven and a half, and they lost oh, by eight. So that made, beat that stung a little. I would have been over over zero. I would have been back in the positive side of things had had that one. Uh, but as it stands, I'm at minus six, and you are at minus thirty going into the final week of the season. Unless we want to keep it going through the playoffs. 
Oh, I say we keep it going. No question. Yeah. Then we don't have to do and Bengal I, bats. And, and, I'm, we, we and I'm not just saying that because I'm far behind. <laughs> uh, it's okay. My non Bengals bet for the week. I, I think this was such an easy one for me. I'm going to go Buccaneers minus five and a half at the Panthers. Buccaneers win. They get in. They win the NFC South. Panthers are, are just god awful. <laughs> I just, it was. I didn't have enough room on my screens yesterday with 10 1 p.m. games. Had to make a choice to get rid of a game, and Carolina Jacksonville was the easy, easy choice yeah. to not watch. Uh, they got blanked versus a, a backup quarterback and C.J. Beathard yesterday. Tampa's got so much on the line. They're such a better team. I, I have all the faith in the world that they can cover five and a half. Do, do we know? Because if Baker got hurt in that game, right? I mean, he took a shot to the ribs and left that game against the Saints. I don't, I don't know. I just I, like, I haven't seen an update on him, but I would still take them with Kyle Trask in the lineup. Yeah, th- I mean, those teams that have nothing to play for in division games in Week 18—that's I just—they scare me. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to talk you out of it. I'm just saying I, I, I'm not sure that would be my best bet. Okay. Um, I'm. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna do a parlay again because uh, there's two I feel really good about. Okay. Um, Patriots minus two and a half at home against the Jets. Mm. Probably the Bill Belichick send off. Uh, even if it's not, he has he knows how to have teams ready to play. They they've been out of it for a while and they have not been pushovers. Um, went to Denver and won on Christmas yeah. Eve. I just I I just I think the Patriots are gonna roll the Jets. I just I think that one's an easy and then. I know how well the Bills are playing, and I just them going to South Florida and and laying three. Give me the Dolphins in the three points. I I, I think that's stealing. I I think the Dolphins are going to win the game outright. Um, and, and the fact that they're getting three points, I know they lost Bradley Chubb, but I'm still as well as the Bills are playing. Josh Allen still concerns me with his his. I don't know, willingness to put the ball in danger. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's another reason I don't think they could go far in the playoffs. So um, those, um, it's an AFC East parlay. Uh, so hopefully I can hit that again and, and get over the, the zero mark, get into the positive side of the ledger. Yeah, I, I like that. I think, you know, Buffalo's defense has been playing much better than it was earlier this season when they lost a lot of guys. But I don't know, going up against Mike McDaniel and Tua Tagovailoa and Tyreek, I mean, I, it's a different battle. It's a different yeah. battle against that team. I, I think they could have some issues on that side of the ball. And the, the heat, the humidity, yeah. I don't know what the temperature is supposed to be, but it's Miami. It's it's going to be warm. Yeah. There's that always the, the the Buffalo fans cry about the fact that they have to they sit in the sun while the, the Dolphins yeah. sit in the shade. It's like, well, that's <laughs> yeah. what home field advantage is, so. All right, my Bengals bet for the week. I'm going to make up my own over under for this week because I don't I don't think anyone out there has Chase Brown over unders. I'm going to I, I set the over under at Chase Brown touches at 12, which would be a season high. He he's managed 11. He did that against the Colts. I, I'm going to go the over on Chase Brown touches. We talked about. I think this is probably Joe Mixon's final game as a Bengal. Bengals got a. I think they know what they have in Chase Brown at, the, at this point. I think we've seen enough over these past few games, especially in that Colts game, to see that he's kind of got that that juice that this offense is looking for from their backfield. But I think you want to see even more of that in this final game. And, you know, Joe Mixon, maybe once if he crosses the 1,000-yard threshold, maybe you sit him down after that point and let Chase Brown take the rest of the touches. So I'll go over 12 touches for Chase Brown. Yeah, I like that. I, I do think you're going to see him get more involved. Um, I, I'm, I can't. I don't like, I mean, the Bengals open is three and a half point favorites. Now they're five. I just, I can't touch that spread. It's just too much of a wild card game. Um, 
I do like the Bengals to win, but I don't want to take the money line because there's no, just no. I think they're minus two sixty. There's just no value there. But I got a stat for you here um, that the Bengals in their seat home finale at Paul Brown Stadium since it opened in two thousand eighteen and five, and they've had some bad teams in those years. They, they certainly have. I, I have a friend, uh, Dirk Allen that we call it the send them home happy stat. Like every year they have these bad years and they find a way to win the season finale, not the season, finale, the home finale and send yeah. their fans home happy. Uh, you, you go back before Paul Brown stadium, Paycor stadium back to the dark days of the nineties. And I went all the way back to 82. So the last 40 years of Bengals home finales, their, their last 18 home finales at riverfront stadium, 15 and three. So, so they are 33 and eight and their last 41 home finales. Um, they going back to 2012 to present, they've only lost one. And that was that 2020 season when Burrow was out with the ACL <laughs> Baltimore came in and just put it on them 38 to three. Uh, but they, they've won every other from 2012 to 2022. They've won every other home finale. It's just, it's a knack this franchise has for whatever reason you got a Browns team playing for nothing you got a Bengals team playing for not the playoffs, but to avoid 0-6 in the division. Um, I, I think the Bengals win this one, but I'm not going money line or I'm going, I'm taking the over. It's it's 38 and a half. I, I think the Bengals offense, they're probably ever they're gonna have everybody but Higgins. They're gonna you're gonna be playing a Browns defense with a bunch of backups. You have a Browns offense that even if they're playing backups, the Bengals defense gives up big plays. They find ways to give up points. So um, I think that's an easy one. I I, I I tend to stay away from over-unders, but I, I really feel good about this one going over. It's going to be in the 40s. It's The weather's not going to be an issue. Um, I think it's going to be a, a fun game with a lot of points. So that's that's the direction I'm going to go there. Uh, what do you got? What do you got I for like, a fun? What's that? I like it. I like yeah. it. I was, I was going to ask you what your score, what your final score is. Uh, what's your prediction? Okay, so I, I'm going to go 28-24 Bengals. Okay. I have no idea where to go with this score. <laughs> I mean, like, who knows? Who knows what could happen? Why not pick the Bengals? I, I, yeah. We've picked them all season. Why not? I'm going to go Bengals 21, Browns 20. I mean, I, I, I don't know how I could get any closer than that. I, I honestly have no idea what's about to happen in this game. And I, anything I say... We'll just be making up what I think could happen. I, I really have no clue how this game could go. But, man, all those stats you just threw at me, the Bengals obviously like to throw or uh, send fans home with a good taste in their mouth at the end of the year. So I feel I, it makes me feel even better about that. 21-20 Bengals is how I'm going to go. So you you are like the Bengals. Um, it, we always recap our bets. We have not recapped our predictions in a while. Uh, you are 8-8 eight and eight on the season when picking the Bengals. So... This is for a winning record for you. Um, I'm nine and seven. I'm only one better than you, but we both picked the Bengals. So yay, I win. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if if we were both perfect on our picks this year, if I was perfect, the Bengals would be 12 and four right now. So obviously I picked a lot of Bengals wins that ended up being losses. Yes. Uh, and you're right there as well. You, if the if you had been perfect, the Bengals would be 11 and five right now. So, uh, but we, we have each gone uh, three and one down the stretch and picking these games. So, uh, this one feels easy. I, I do think the Bengals are going to win this game. Yeah. Let's close it out strong, right? I mean, I think that's how yeah. we'll close it out strong, just like the Bengals. Yeah. Wait, what's wrong with that? Um, 
it's been an interesting season, obviously. And going into this this final game, it's going to be an interesting final game. And I don't think there's any other word that you can use for this season besides disappointing. I mean, that's just kind of what it is. I mean, there's no the overarching theme, as we've said, is kind of what could have been. But, you know, I think there are positives and we can get into this as the offseason comes along that you, you got to see someone like Jake Browning emerge and probably solidify himself as a guy who can at least play in this league. You got to see a guy like Chase Brown have a big game against the Colts. You, you got to see the Bengals stay in the playoff race after Joe Burrow went down with an injury, which, speaking for myself, I certainly did not think was possible that they would be in the mix through you know week seven, week seventeen, with with the playoffs on the line. So I think, despite how many what if scenarios that I think will view this twenty twenty three season as as having had, there are there are some positives we can take away from this season, despite the many, many obstacles the Bengals have had to go through. One more silver lining. If the Bengals win, they'll be the first division since 1935 to have every team finish above 500. And they would be over 500, but they still get the benefit of playing a fourth place schedule, which means they, they've got the Patriots are going to be coming to Cincinnati next year. And then there are two road games against fourth place teams. They're going to Carolina. We talked about how they're not going to turn it around overnight. That's no. going to be yeah, that. You know, that could be an early season game. That would be very beneficial for the Bengals. And then the other one is a, a trip to Tennessee, which Vrabel always has teams ready to play, but that team doesn't look quite ready to compete yet. And it's a win for the team, the guys that cover the team, because anytime you get to go to Nashville for a weekend, it's good. Hopefully it's not in December. Uh, but, I mean, that is a silver lining where you you it's going to be a hard schedule regardless because they're, they're still playing the AFC West. So you got the Chargers, you got Chiefs. Um, you going to Arrowhead again um, next year, but overall it, it could have been worse. Where if you you know, yes, Bengal fans would rather be in the playoffs, but you can have a winning record, but still get a fourth place schedule. Those are those are three games that that should be winnable right off the bat as we sit here on January second. I've never been to Nashville, but I know they have a lot of bars and I know they have a lot of music. And I know those are two things that Mr. J. Morrison is also a fan of. So yes, I can understand the the happiness about that Nashville trip. Um, and driving instead of flying. Big yes, of, of course. Of course. <laughs> That's going to do it for our show today. Uh, one more game on the season. One more game on the schedule this Sunday. I'm sure everyone will be watching despite the fact that there's not a ton on the line. Um We'll be back to recap that game, and we've got the whole offseason to talk about draft position and free agency and this coaching staff and every single topic that we could think of that's that's going to affect this Bengals roster and organization going into 2024. So one more game. Everyone watch this weekend, and then we will come back next Tuesday and recap it with you. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next week. 